Is it time to buy some Sam Laporta Week 6 insurance in the FFPC? Is one AFC North stud worth gambling on in your lineups this weekend? And which Colts rusher is the correct start in your lineup on Sunday? Plus, the fourth-place team owner in the Fantasy Pros Championship, Brian Carrero, hangs out with us to talk about his interesting double-double-up strategy, what position he's loading up on for his big-money roster, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts right now. Can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Welcome in to October 13th, Friday the 13th. Yes, we're all spooked out uh, tonight. So glad that you're spending your Friday with us here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Welcome in. Thanks to Rob. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Borelliacs. Uh, God, I'm still making that mistake three years later. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, my co-host, is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, coming up on tonight's show. We're hashing out the fallout for the Brown skill position players with P.J. Walker actually running things this weekend and maybe more going forward. Uh, who the sneaky sleeper start is for you in that Cowboys-Chargers game on Monday Night Football. And then Brian Carrero, the fourth-place team owner in the Fantasy Pros Championship, is going to swing on into dish on Chuba Hubbard. Uh, the Vikings without Justin Jefferson and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter uh, or X, as it were, uh, please do so at HSFFR. You can connect with me on X at Eric Balkman and check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFFR2 and email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the X's and uh, emails in our fantasy feedback segment coming on later in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Remember to go to myffpc.com now to play in the FFPC Weekly Challenge. There is no draft in this. There is no salary cap in this. You just pick whatever players you want. You want to play with kickers and defenses? You play a 12 uh, in the 12 team format or 12 player format. You want to play without kickers and defenses? You can play in the 10 team format a 10 player format as well. I remember only one player per team in that you can only, um, uh, um, uh, you cannot stack basically is what I'm saying. You have to be able to pick one player, you know, 10 different, uh, 10 players and 10 different teams or 12 players on 12 different teams. It's just $35 to entry. You can also play for a $200 entry fee, win up to $2,500 as well. Remember to like subscribe, comment, share, and get notified. Uh, anytime we go live, which is at a minimum three times a week right here on this here FFPC YouTube channel. Uh, let's bring in tonight's co-host. You know him. You love him. Follow him on the Twitter and the Insta at Jay Farrell Elliott. He is 
Farrell Elliott, the paw, the boss, the head honcho, the head cheese over at the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Happy Friday to you, sir, and welcome. Hey, buddy, how are you? Doing good, man. I'm 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 excited for this weekend. Uh, no Packers game this weekend for no. for me to 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 you know get knee deep into, which is yeah, kind you, of a, you need a week to recover. Yes, oh, I need more than a week, man. It's 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 been rough as a guy that's defended Jordan Love and defended that offense. Really, is no defense for what happened. No offense to you and your Raiders. There's no defense for what happened on Monday Night Football for that offense. So I'm looking forward to a lot of red zone on Sunday. I'm looking forward to a lot of college football tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to to uh, getting my lineups all set in in Kentucky. And I know you are with the FFPC as well. Yeah, I did, and, and boy, you know, when Trevor and I came on the show last week, and, and then we we as soon as we left the show, and he had a fabulous time. We had great uh, commentary about the show. But, you know, we put the hex on ourselves. We left, and, and uh, after that fantastic start, we barely we barely could rustle up 60 points for the rest of the uh, the weekend. But, you know, we predicted a lot of things right last week, Bucky. We get a lot of good stuff. Uh, you know, maybe we can do as well this week. I, that's that's my hope, and, and that's the viewer's hope as well. Let's try to do it right now, and we'll kick things off in the Sunday night showdown. Between okay. the Giants and Bills, Daniel Jones has already been ruled out for that game due to a neck injury. He's going to miss this game uh, after he hurt his, uh, his neck against the Dolphins. Tyrod Taylor in the revenge game, taking on the Bills on Sunday night football. You know, I look at the Giants right now. Um, nobody, I, I was really interested in starting as a wide receiver. What does Tyrod Taylor do for Darren Waller, Farrell? Uh, a, a tight end that a lot of people drafted as their top tight end, sometimes the third or fourth tight end off the board. Um, is Waller still startable this week with Terod Taylor? And then Saquon Barkley, um, he's got his own issues. He's questionable right now. We don't know for sure if he's going to go, and it's a late game on Sunday night. Is he worth a roll of the dice? The question here and the thing that we have to figure out with no Daniel Jones, what are we doing with Barkley? What are we doing with Waller on Sunday night football against Buffalo? I hope the Giants decide to set Barkley. That's that's just what I hope. Now Waller will have a good game. Uh, uh, Taylor will come in with an abbreviated, truncated playbook and list of options, which is probably going to be a good thing for this team. The ball will go through Waller. Wandale Robinson will be featured. Uh, if if healthy, he'll be good to go. And those would be my only two starts. Uh, the Bills will probably take their foot off the gas, maybe. Uh, but you, you don't know. So it, it's it's a big fantasy night uh, to see what you can get out of those two performers um, with the Giants and the variety of opportunities uh, for the Buffalo Bills. I think, uh, you know, the, the thing that – so in your opinion, Farrell, is Barkley going to play that game? I don't know. I just hope he does. You hope he doesn't. So, he so does. based, based on your hopes – when it comes to be 1245 Eastern time mm-hmm. on Sunday, you're going to have Barkley sitting on your teams, right? Um, yeah, well, you know, we, we, based on what you've got. Now, if, if you're uh, – I'm, I'm looking around the league and I'm seeing a lot of teams that are very successfully put together with running backs. They've handled the waiver wire well. They handled the late drafting well. I didn't have – I didn't do that. I tend to go early on running back. And when I do, I think I've got all I need. And sometimes that's not the case. So it's hard to put Barkley on the bench, but if you've got options, yeah, I wouldn't want to play him this weekend. I don't see this team getting in a rhythm that includes a running short passing game against the Buffalo bills. 
uh, Barkley would get his touches, and he would probably put together a fantasy score through the passing game. I would like to see Barkley return uh, in a, in a different game with a different offensive line. You know, you can you can say, well, look, we the Giants haven't played the same offensive line all week, well, or all season. Well, when they started in Week One, they weren't very good either. Yeah, and it, it's and so people say, well, why don't they go get some help at offensive line? There's none out there, and if you can find one. Um, uh, for a team, uh, you, you really got a wonderful relationship with the rest of your life. So, yeah, let's. I just hope Barkley doesn't play. Look, if you think if you don't have a back that can get you 15 points, you've got to put Barkley in if he's on your roster. And, and you know, you can open that up to flexes too, but like what flexes are looking good on Sunday and Monday night, you know, like. Uh, you're probably playing Gabe Davis already. Well, you sure. can't you can't count on those those injured Bills tight ends on Sunday Night Football. Maybe one of those Giants wide receivers. And you know it, you were you speaking well of Wandale Robinson, so that would make some sense if you wanted to wait around. If Barkley's not available, you could flex out Wandale Robinson. Sunday Night Football, or excuse me, Monday Night Football. You know you don't want to play Dowdle or or Deuce Vaughn. Maybe Michael Gallup, not Brandon Cooks. Ferguson is probably already starting for you. Maybe Quentin Johnston. Like there's. There's not, and not Josh Kelly either. So uh, Gerald Everett, I guess, would be a possibility. So again, check your roster, see what works best for you. Uh, but, but but certainly rolling the dice on Saquon Barkley could pay off. Uh, I don't know how smart of a bet it is. You've right gone now. deep with the ripple effect. I'm try, I'm trying to. Like, I mean, I'm you try, have really come up with all the potential possibilities of. I don't think people with Barkley are going to sleep tonight. Uh, they may not, not anymore. And I, I apologize. Uh, get that, uh, get that melatonin in your system after the show, because we're going to keep you up a while. Uh, like question in the uh, chat room tonight from Hudson Curran Reeve, Josh Downs, is he a smart start this week? They are at Jacksonville are the Colts. He's looking pretty good with Gardner Minshew. And we know Minshew is going to be starting. I don't know if I would say Downs is a smart start Pharaoh, but as a second flex in the FFPC, yeah, I can get behind that. Um, I don't know if uh, he's got necessarily the highest ceiling in the world. Maybe you're not looking for a high ceiling. Maybe you're just looking for 11 or 12 points. I think Josh Downs can give that to you this week. If you have Watson and Pickens on your team, they're not available. Josh Downs is your guy. Um, okay, Minshew is – you you would say, okay, he's not the greatest downfield passer. This is going to be a short passing game. Well, the short passing game – good or bad in every week runs through Pittman. I don't think Pittman's had a play over 20 yards this year. And that's not knocking Pittman. I love Pittman. What he can do with the ball after he catches it. So they've already got their number one receiver in that position to relate uh, to Minshew. And then they got eight different tight ends that if the middle is open, they'll, they'll, they'll work some of that. I, I love Josh Downs. I think he's going to get better as the year moves on. He's not necessarily a winning play. Um, Jacksonville coming back from, uh, Jacksonville coming back from their stay in London, I think should be good, should be focused. Uh, those trips can bring a team together. So, um, you know, you, you could do better. I think, I think you could, um, you may not be able and like, you know, who do we got on by this week? Green Bay and Pittsburgh, right? Um, who are the big difference makers missing off those teams? Well, the mm-hmm. first two that come to mind are Aaron Jones and Deontay Johnson. You've already been doing without them the last few weeks, yeah. basically. 
Um, and and I don't know what Packers you're counting on. I guess you can make the case that Watson or maybe Dobbs you, you had in your lineup. Maybe in Pittsburgh, George Pickens would make some sense uh, there. So if you if you are not hit hard by injuries, you, you shouldn't be hit mm. hard by buys. Uh, hopefully you can look elsewhere. Uh, but Downs is there as a, let's say, serviceable option as your second flex. There you go. Um, Sam Laporta, this, this kind of mm. got – talking about heart racing, this got my heart racing when – he got added to the injury report this week with a calf strain. Um, he participated in the walkthrough with Detroit um, today. He told reporters that he does expect to play on Sunday. That's an expectation. That That is far from a guarantee. Farrell, for, for us Laporta owners out there, is he um, – I mean, should we be looking to add a backup tight end? How confident are you that he's going to be out there against Tampa after following this injury situation, which I think cropped up on Thursday for the first time. Tampa has been a little difficult against the tight ends this year, if I remember correctly. Um, but Laporta, if on the field, is it will deliver better than any backup that you can have. You know, if you if you take a look at the tight ends, there's some guys in there that we didn't necessarily uh, suspect. We all suspected great things from Laporta, but perhaps not this soon. Laporta's in the top five tight ends. I think if we look it up, my old pal Cole Komet, who I can say I picked up off waivers when some guy made the poor decision of releasing him, is in the top five or six tight ends. Uh, we, we called to play Goddard. Don't bench Goddard last week. Goddard played played well. You, you, you're you not in – you know, you do not want to shoot the horse that won the race. So if Laporta's, in, if Laporta's going to play, you put Laporta on the field, and if he doesn't give you what you want, he's going to make up for it down the road. That game, that um, that Detroit-Tampa um, game, uh, that is a contest that will be kicking off this week um, late, 425 in Tampa. Uh, mm-hmm. So make sure you're following that situation. You know your team better than, than we do. But if you get if anything's making you feel nervous on, on Sunday, make sure you get in those bids before that, um, that uh, 10 a.m. waiver run with the FFPC. And if you're playing in Kentucky – Make sure you get him in on Saturday before that midnight run yeah. on Saturday night. Uh, we have uh, Brian Carrero coming up in just a couple of minutes here. Before we get to him, let's talk about uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealers. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot, uh, her report today saying that Deshaun Watson not only out for this weekend, he could miss multiple more games. Uh, Watson says, I beg your pardon, Cabot says Watson has suffered a, quote, strain-like deep contusion in his rotator cuff. Just what you want to hear from your uh, franchise quarterback. This is bad and and it's it, it's it could potentially be season changing for not only the Browns but uh the opponents that are going up against the Cleveland Browns uh as well. As we look forward and we'll just, you know, small scope this right now. We'll, we're just going to concern ourselves with week 6 for the purposes of this conversation. They are at home, that's the good news. The bad news is they're playing the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Farrell with uh PJ Walker taking the helm there. Are you still rolling out guys like Amari Cooper and Jerome Ford? Um, David Njoku is questionable. I don't know what your thoughts were on him going up against the Niners, but I think you're breaking ties against the Browns this week. You can still make the case that Cooper and Ford can be out there, but, man, it's it's a hard sell for me to say any other uh, Cleveland Browns should be in your starting lineups. Cooper only. Cooper only. The same thing with with Taylor, and, and I like the quarterback. I, I've been not it. Not in this matchup, but I like PJ Walker, and I think PJ Walker can make plays. He won't, he won't put this team in in position to win this game. But later on, uh, week seven's in Indy. Uh, later on, he could put a team in position uh, 
to to do something. So I I'm I'm I like this better than the last quarterback that Cleveland tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, I will put Cooper in my lineup. The uh, I, I'm going to bring this up right now. Kern said, "Hey, bring this up later." No, we're going to bring it up now because you are okay. a VIP guest. What are Balkies and Farrell's optimal earliest rounds for taking a quarterback in the FFPC? So as far as how my drafts go, Farrell, I am rarely like rarely. I used to be the guy that would wait till there's 11 or 12 quarterbacks off the board and then I grab a couple. I'm not that guy anymore. I have moved up and uh, but I'm still rarely the first guy to take. Uh, uh, I'm rarely the guy that is going to take the first quarterback off the board. Um, don't have any Josh Allen. Don't have any Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Jalen Hurts. I think I have two Jalen Hurts teams this year, actually. It just kind of depends where how the draft's going and where you end up um, in the draft. And if you're if you're a, a stack monger like I tend to be in national contests, like the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event, uh, then I will I will look to grab quarterbacks a little bit early. I know I got a couple of Burrow teams this year as well. By and large, I'm still waiting. Uh, six, seven quarterbacks off the board. I'll probably take my first one, but it's, it's, this is a, I have a very fluid answer to this question and that's just kind of letting the draft come to me and then making my choice. Um, I've heard people say that before and be booed for saying it, letting the draft come to me. (laughs) Remember back when we had the the pros and Joes on the pros, I'm going to let the draft come to me, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at the stat lines from Josh Allen, realize he can run, realize his last two games were 320 yards and four touchdowns, 359 yards and two touchdowns. I'm going to wish that I had drafted more Josh Allen. I drafted a lot of Hurts. I drafted a lot of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson threw up 14 points last weekend. It was a disaster. You can wait, but are you always going to be lucky enough to pick up two a late? Will you get Brock Purdy late? Will you get your late guy? If you, So it all determines not Hudson Kern-Reeve just by picking an arbitrary number. It, it, it determines – and you need to overpay for your guy. If you say I'm gonna I, I'm gonna roll with Brock Purdy, well I'm gonna draft him in the eighth round. While everybody says you ought to draft him in the tenth, because you sure don't want to let him get by. And Trevor Lawrence was drafted high, has not necessarily delivered what you want. Uh, Herbert is a stud, drafted about where he should be drafted. I could go on, but everybody's relived the drafts. To answer your question, the guys that are winning are winning with quarterbacks that have the stat lines like Josh Allen. Hey, and speaking of that, Bob, mm-hmm. you remember last spring when we were telling everyone in the best balls that it was free to draft uh, Desmond Ritter, and, and we could get no one to draft Desmond Ritter, and we were trying our damnedest, and people were drafting backup quarterbacks. Before Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter undrafted. Desmond Ritter put up 29.4 FFPC contest this week in best ball, outscoring all the quarterbacks that we're speaking of, with the exception of Allen and maybe one or two others. So it, it from week to week, you can uh, you can definitely hit that home run. A starting quarterback in this league has skills and has that fantasy potential. And uh, you know what? A lot of people spent a pretty good draft portion, a draft capital on uh, on Jones at New York, you know. So what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? And and I that's the thing is is over the course of the last four or five years, I've waited and waited and waited, and 
um, you know, sometimes you get lucky with, you know, mm-hmm. a guy like Aaron Rodgers um, two years ago and nobody was touching him. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other players too. Brock Purdy's a good example this year. You don't always find him. And if you don't and, find him, man, it is an uphill battle at the position that scores the most fantasy points. And, in single and quarterback. if you, if you go early for those elite quarterbacks, then you wait and you don't do anything and you don't, you don't draft any quarterbacks eight through 12. And there's a lot of good players that are available eight through 12. If you're busy drafting quarterbacks, then it's, it's there's a balance in, in the productivity of your draft there. You could be giving up a lot of guys. Uh, last thing I want to get to here before we get to Brian Carrero is T. Higgins. Zach Taylor is saying that uh, T. Higgins is indeed going to be a game-time decision uh, mm. this weekend for the Cincinnati Bengals, which I guess is good and bad. Like I Quite frankly, I didn't think he was going to recover this fast. Um, but it's also bad because, like, man, I I don't know what to think. Like, it, it, am I going to trust this guy once he goes out there? Am I am I going to be able to um, start him with confidence that he's not going to be on a snap count, not pitch count, a snap count, and is not simply going to be a decoy out there? I don't know. Um, the Bengals do have a bye next week. It, I'm sure there's pre- people in the organization saying that it would behoove them to hold Higgins out this week or maybe not give him a full complement of snaps this week. He goes up against the Seattle Seahawks, and, mm. and this is a home game. It is a 1 o'clock game. But, Farrell, what happens on your T. Higgins rosters when 11.30 rolls around and you find out he is active, what you're going to do? And you're going to put him in lineup because he's playing Seattle. And Seattle has a rough pass defense. They're, they're, down, they're down at the bottom. Uh, now, they do get Adams back at safety this weekend, and that, that should improve things. But uh, people have laid a lot of numbers uh, onto that Seattle defense. So you, you expect big things from Higgins, and you expect this team to run this offense through this quarterback, get him clicking, get him moving. Chase can't get it all. So, yeah, if Higgins can go, you put him in there. I think that's the that's the plan. Um, certainly, I, I got to look at my Higgins uh, rosters a little bit more closely. I, I think there are some – players that I feel better about him, but you may not have that option. I may not have that option. Mm. And then Higgins with that upside, maybe perhaps is who you want to go with. Who are we going to go with with our guest tonight? Let me tell you about him. He is a 17 time league champ in the FFPC currently sits in fourth place overall in the fantasy pros championship, just three teams and some fantasy football action to be had yet this season separate him from a $1 million grand prize at the moment. Please welcome in the owner of the Just Rays franchise, Mr. Brian Carrero. Brian, welcome into the show. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Awesome. Beautiful. Love the intro. Um, I was actually checking. Uh, you don't get paid uh, for fourth place in October. Uh, team was doing pretty well last month. You don't get paid for September either. So uh, a lot of football left, but would rather be in fourth uh, than anywhere else. So uh, You do get paid for this show, though, Mr. Brown. Oh, do I? <laughs> you do. You, the check will be in the mail. Checks in the mail. Oh, I heard that one. I don't know who's sending that check, Brian. Uh, but, you but, do get but, paid for your appearance well, here, sir. Well, we'll, uh, we'll find yeah. out and get back to you. Uh, well, There's royalties involved. It is yes. Um, it sounds like um, you know, one of those things where it's like um fourth place, you know you're not getting uh any cash for that right now, but man, to see your team name up there ahead of thousands of other teams and and watching that team just put up and pile on points the last few weeks, that's exciting stuff, dude. That was fun. Yeah, I took a couple screenshots. Uh, I think after one of the Thursday games where I had Montgomery go off for the the three touchdowns, I think they were in first uh, for a little bit. So I was like, hey, 
If all the football gets canceled for the rest of the year, <laughs> this is mine. Uh, but we, we want more football, so we'll keep it going. A, a lot more fun to have. So. Brian, when, when you are not uh, hanging around at the at the top of the leaderboard in the Fantasy Pros Championship, what are you doing for a living, man? Yeah. Yeah, so these days I do uh, fraud detection, fraud analytics uh, in the financial services space. Uh, really just trying to figure out who's the real deal, who's fool's gold, who's trying to defraud us. Uh, pretty similar to what we try to do on a weekly basis here. So certainly keeps it fresh. Uh, always been a huge data nerd, just different inputs, different targets we're trying to optimize around. So uh, mm. it's all fun. It's all uh, data, all numbers. I like that. I love it when we get then. Then I have an immediate question. How do you spend your Sundays? How much football do you watch? Oh, as much as I can. Yeah, yeah I love that answer. I'll say a huge answer. shout out to my amazing girlfriend, Ashley. She's actually Ashley. here. Like, oh, shout out, Ashley. Uh, we're on vacation in Utah right now, but uh, it was, it was, she really pushed me to do this when I got the email from Balky. I was like, oh my God, little old me. They want to talk to little old me. She's like, you yep. got to do it. You got to do it. So I will say, I've been playing a, a little less golf these days just to make sure we get all our time Friday. Uh, a lot of our time Saturday, uh, but then she's been great. You know, we'll we'll start cracking some mimosas uh, Sunday morning when 11 a.m. rolls around. Put my phone down, order at the restaurant. Um, so so that's been great. But I will say, you know, at Friday evenings, like I, I usually haven't done as much of my research, so uh, a little bit nervous about some of the hot takes later on. I try to pull out a, a few spicy ones there, but really just like to pace myself one day at a time. You know. I like the way Ashley rolls. She'll probably have a team <laughs> next year. You know, she'll probably be in the in the draft. Where were you when you you drafted? Is is this a slow draft? This uh, fast online draft? What what was the draft format? Yeah, I do I do all fast drafts. Um, you know, I, I've heard a lot of times. I think there's some good data behind this. Some of the slow drafts can be a little tougher. Um, mm-hmm. I also just don't have the patience to like gotcha. stretch those out again like that. This uh, I have 14 teams this year. Uh, I did four last year, so really trying to learn a lot more about like how to streamline some of that. Um, I'm either going all in on research or I'm trying to just ignore it and, and live my life. So uh, it looks like this, this team in fourth was drafted at uh, 12 a.m. Eastern time. So I'm out in Denver, Colorado. So it was only 10 p.m. I don't know what day of the week that was though, but well, yeah, always a fast draft kind of guy. Well, and it, yeah. And, and you like the action, you like to move quick. And obviously you also ignored running backs you went all the way to the seventh round now before i knew you were an analytic guy i was going to ask you if you were drinking that night that's not always yes that's a given all right well good so you were in the seventh round before a running back yeah what were you thinking yeah, so the, there's a few things there. Uh, yeah, so so this team drafted ninth. Um, was fortunate just to have Tyreek fall to me at ninth, and, and that mm-hmm. was so easy. Uh, coming back, uh, uh, doubling down with Devontae, again, PPR monster. thought he probably should have been going sixth or seventh. I think a lot of people are like, you know, why was Devontae wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11 in ADP? Um, but honestly, like, you know, aside from just kind of the way the draft laid out, um, it's a, a little bit of two things. It's, it's thinking about – where all the money is and all the money is weeks 15, week 16 and week 17. Um, and where do all these ceiling outcomes kind of come from? Um, I think we're seeing it every week, you know, some guys going for 600, $700 uh, in fab uh, as, as these running backs keep falling. Um, you know, some of them are going to put up 10 points. Some of them are going to put 20, but like guys like Tyreek and, and Devonte and even some of these other guys, like 
the the 15 targets, you know, 150 yards, two touchdowns, guys, like they don't they don't show up. Um, they they just don't come out of nowhere. So it was a little bit really like thinking through that kind of like that at what's optimal the last mm-hmm. week in December. Um and then the other side of that, like um just just knowing that like uh there's this uh, a couple of years ago I saw a team did the same thing, uh drafted all wide receivers. I think it was the year McCaffrey got hurt and Mike Davis went off. Wow. Um and the guy just spent 700, 800 bucks in week one. And all of a sudden he's got four top 10 receivers and a top five running back. Um, mm-hmm. Just knowing that like, there's a lot more of those opportunities. Um, this team, I think I've already spent three quarters of my fab um, just trying mm-hmm. to get some of these, like just trying to keep supplanting uh, some of those, uh, some of those weak areas, uh, you know, running back. Uh, I think we're going to talk about quarterback in a little bit. I made a hot mess out of my quarterback situation, but um, really <laughs> just, just, just trying to, trying to swing for the fences, honestly. Yeah. Well, I haven't looked at your roster just so give me just your three running backs that you're rolling with right now. Yeah, so um real blessed how these fell through, but took Montgomery in the seventh, uh Mara <laughs> in the eighth, uh, and then Mostert in the thirteenth. Yeah, I think uh, you're all right there. Okay. I Very mean, good. we're good. Numbers guy. Numbers Keenan guy. And Kittle. I mean, you know, that God bless this lineup, man. Fingers and you were you were that. taking Kamara before you really knew the outcome of his um his discipline but, but that's eighth round right yeah you, you it was nine, it's great yeah, yeah. Great. um let, let's talk about um that the kamara pick um because what i noticed when i was looking at this team earlier this week you drafted keenan allen and mike williams both back to back you drafted alvin kamara and jamal williams back to back so that's two teammates in the same unit on yeah. uh twice in the same draft can you tell us what your thought process was was there? Was this done intentionally at all? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think Kamara and Jamal is a little bit more explainable, you know, kind of just like eighth and ninth round. Again, I, I did look it up. Yeah, this team was drafted July 24th. The Kamara news really came out uh the first week of August. So um wasn't sure if it was a four-week suspension, a six-week suspension uh coming. I think three was was pretty absolutely towards the, the low end there. Um, but honestly, just kind of always been a, always been a Jamal guy, like going back to green Bay when he was the receiving back, getting all those catches and all that PPR usage uh, fast forward to Detroit leads the league in rushing touchdowns, just goal line monster. Um, I thought there was an outcome where he could get 15 to 20 points a week uh, through September and, and early October. Um, and I thought specifically kind of like, with Kamara, that that was just a, a little bit more of a of a safety net for my team. Um, obviously, like a, especially kind of like switching gears and talking about like Keenan and Mike Williams, that was something where kind of like setting rosters like the first week of September, I was saying to myself, you know, like, can you win the championship? Can you beat twenty thousand other teams having these same two guys? Um, so that was one where like I, I probably wouldn't do that again. Um, but honestly. I was a little bit more worried about Keenan uh, kind of getting hurt. Uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, shout out uh, Chris Dabo, I think uh, a few weeks ago. Awesome, awesome uh, interview with him. But uh, he kind of predicted the Mike Williams injury was coming, you know, so so these things happen there. But also be, being a huge Cowboys fan, I'm so sad, so sad we lost Kellen Moore. Um, I just wanted all of this Chargers offense. I have a lot of Eckler teams where I drafted sixth or seventh and took Eckler uh, when I fell to, you know, eighth, ninth, or tenth. I was getting Keenan at the uh, the end of the third, early fourth, and, and stuff like that. So um, thinking through 
17 week uh, fantasy football season, they're not going to both play all 17 weeks. Someone's going to kind of shift there. Um, and again, you, know, you hate to almost, you know, throw away one of your, your fourth or fifth round picks, but I felt like one of them was going to easily emerge as a top 10 receiver. Um, and then obviously the, the week he got hurt, they combined for 70 fantasy points. So maybe it, it could have been optimal to, to have them both at the end. Uh, it certainly would have been unique. Um, I think Herbert was actually still on the board too, uh, kind of going into the five, six turn. So I thought there was a small chance there. If I take Mike Williams off the board, um, someone's going to be a little bit less likely to take a, um, a naked Herbert. Um, but again, you know, those are just, you know, delusions of grandeur going down. It's <laughs> so, you know, it, it uh, but I just want to real, real quick emphasize that Brian just used the phrase naked Herbert and delusions of grandeur yeah, in the same sentence. That is not easy to do. <laughs> not easy to do. He's a no, worst. Hey, I, I cut my hair, but I used to have locks like him too. Yeah, my coworkers oh, wear that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good look. Too, it's a good look. It is a good look. I, I like what you got going on with the beard there. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We're back in the office these days. I got to stay clean. Yeah, <laughs> got to keep it clean. You know, in my college days, I had a roommate. Uh, good dude, a lousy car. Uh, he was, and we were broke as hell. And we were always patching tires, buying used tires. You know, you couldn't drive the car fast, and you couldn't drive it all on hot pavement because the patches <laughs> would burn out and it would blow out. Every time we went somewhere, it was a mystery if we would ever get there. You know, they they were retreads. You couldn't run fast. There are things people discarded that nobody wanted, which is exactly like your quarterback room. And that's that's <laughs> the memory lane that you took down. So your your quarterback room. Uh, Garoppolo, Joe, Prescott, and Stroud. I'm assuming that you got lucky with Stroud and you play him every week. Or how many hours do you go through trying to figure out which one of these uh, challenged uh, individuals do you play? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot there. So this this team name is called Nines and Dimes. I had the ninth pick, and I took Danny Dimes. Um, (laughs) Dan, I'll say you look at the three teams above me and everybody nearby. Uh, I, I might have the best Daniel Jones team by about, you know, 300 points. Uh, that, that's not necessarily something to brag about. That Arizona <laughs> game pulled me back in. I thought I gave him one last chance on the road in Miami. I wanted three and a half quarters of uh, of, uh, of game script there. Three and a half quarters of garbage time. Kind of like what Howell did. Just like 55 straight dropbacks kind of game. Um, so what happened was uh, actually – New Daniel Dimes had a lot of inherent risk there. Uh, actually took Aaron Rodgers in the 12th. Um, he did not record a stat this year. Um, so uh, after after the Daniel Jones, uh, the, the second implosion, I'd say, after week three, um, paid a little bit extra for Stroud, got him on, got him on waivers for, I think, about uh, 17% of fab. Uh, but yeah. again, like looking at this team, like that's where it needed to be. Sure. Um, and then – after another implosion game from them and just you know he they're ba- I, I, I gotta get rid of this guy if he didn't have a couple of Washington games coming up who he actually owns historically. Um so I actually just picked up Dak in Garoppolo uh a couple nights ago. Um got him got him for dirt cheap, uh mm. let go of a couple running backs that, that that just weren't even gonna get close to playing, especially kind of having like three every week starters and and I think a guy like Marquise Brown on the bench or Keenan was even on the bench last week. But um it was mostly giving myself some options because I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But what I do want to do is kind of just try to plan that out for the rest of the year. Um, and just say, you know, like week six, Stroud has this matchup. Week yeah. seven, this guy has this matchup. Streaming um, four quarterbacks. Do you do you like Garoppolo this weekend against Soul Coach? Um, I'm not I'm not ready yet for Garoppolo. I think no. again, I just I just need more time to think about this. Yeah. But having Devontae there, um, knowing that that ceiling is there. When Devontae gets his 10 for 200 game, you know, if it's week 15 or 16, that's going to be a decent Garoppolo game. Um, praying my Cowboys do something. They got to do something. They got to start passing. They got to bring back more play action, more passing on first down. Yeah. Um, Chargers secondary would suggest that Dak will have a game. I know. I, I'm, I'm just so nervous. So of all these guys, Stroud is the most reliable and the most consistent. Mm-hmm. But he has some ugly matchups. He still has his bye coming up. So, um, you know, just knowing little things like, you know, I don't want the guy on the road against the Jets or, you know, against the Niners and stuff like that. There's just a few games here and there that I just don't want the quarterback in. So I'm going to, you know, take this weekend, take the next few days before waivers again next Wednesday, um, map out the next 10 weeks of the season and say, these are my guys, and I might even grab a another one. Do you have uh, Do you have much fab budget left? A decent, I uh, got a quarter of it left. No, Desmond Ritter's still available. It's just I, I've heard. Yeah, I heard you trying to get. I, I'm more of a Taylor Heineke guy, so you know uh, yeah. I might throw in a one dollar bid for Heineke. Uh, that's got to yeah. be coming soon if Ritter didn't have that that big game recently. Um, as of ten thirty seven on Friday night, are we rolling with Prescott as as the starter this week, Brian? No, oh, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't ready. I got. I got too much. Oh, to me, to, to me, I mean, like you know, it's not going to be Jones, right? And no. it doesn't sound like you want to start Garoppolo. It comes down Prescott or Stroud, right? I mean, that that's you got to narrow it down. It'll to. be easier when your four mimosas in. You know, I know. It'll be much easier then. I'm a few Sierras deep right yeah. now, but it's going to. I mean. I hate playing these guys getting, you know, eight points, 11 points. Like I, I might wait and see from Dak like that. That has to be the game. It really does. And you talk about being humbled and all that stuff, but Stroud is, is playing the best right now. He's yeah. playing the most consistent. Um, I think the Trevon Diggs injury really shook up Dallas. Um, obviously their, their defense suffered a little bit, but just his energy. I mean, all the hard knock stuff with his kid, just like that locker room presence, like, I, I think that shook Dallas up a little bit. So my heart's already way too invested in Dallas. I might sit this one out. The rookie is playing well. Dak needs to prove it to me first, I think. So um, we'll we'll figure that out. But right now, Stroud's the guy. Dak's got to take it from him. Uh, Brian, let's shift to running backs here. Raheem Mostert is on a ton of your teams so far this year. I have him on a couple. I wish I had him on more. What was it yeah. about him that made you want to draft him in so many leagues this year, man? Yeah, it's – one thing I need to work on is not being such a boomer uh, and, and ignoring some of these rookies. That's because I, I love, I love doing research and drafting all year round. Uh, but when you're drafting from, you know, April, May, June, July, it's all the dynasty bros. All they're talking about are the rookies. Um, and then suddenly, you know, all the, all the, the mainstream folks, your coworkers and your buddies come in and they're like, who the hell is this guy? I've never heard of them. And then their, their ADP drops down a little bit. So, it's a it's a combination of I think kind of these like these uncertain backfields. Um, all the teams I have him on uh, were in June or July when he was going in the thirteenth or the fourteenth round. Once uh, I think the Jeff Wilson IR news came out. Um, once he started going in rounds ten or eleven, I just kind of stopped. Um, and not surprisingly, those are my teams towards uh, the bottom half of it. You know, if you got him in the eighth round, he's he's still returning value there. So. 
Um, it's a little bit of just, you know, not going all in on some of the rookies, which I know is going to hold me back. I mean, A-Chan, it, it was absolutely crushing stuff. He was going to be getting 80% of the touches, you know, in the in the next month. So that's something I need to be a little bit more mindful of. But, um, again, just knowing he's a, he's a McDaniel boy, he's coming over from San Fran, one of the fastest players in the league still this year, um, had a lot of 20, 25-point games last year. I think he had one, like, eight-catch game last year um yeah give me the guy who i thought was going to kind of be at worst a goal line back for miami and explosive offense this year in the 13th round you know i, I totally agree and the uh, this is i, I feel twit i i feel mixed emotions here listening to you talk about it brian because while you reinforced my thinking on most <laughs> Um, I'm also I'm also feeling bad because why didn't I apply that to all my leagues? Because yeah. most certainly why I drafting I, everywhere. I, I, I could have got him everywhere. Now Hudson Turner is already chiming in saying um, he's going to be great until he's hurt. Well, I mean that's fine, but isn't every running back great until he gets yeah. hurt? Like I just that's why you I wait just, seven rounds. I, I, maybe yeah, the exactly, snake yeah. crawled into a chain's pocket. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. Um, okay, the Kyle Pitts side. You know, I sit there trying to figure out how it wasn't going to work and why it doesn't work this year because it never, it hasn't worked. And, and why doesn't it work? And what's good? And the last thing I would have thought of, if you had told me that they'll sign Johnu Smith and then they'll, one of them will get three to four targets and three catches and the other one will get one or two less in both categories. And and that's what's happening. Um, your thoughts on Pitts, uh, your thoughts on everything is interesting. How does it evolve going forward? If you, it, you know, because it's like it's like the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but we don't know where that rainbow. We can't. Yeah. Arthur Smith, man, just just breaking hearts. Um, it, it, it's so confusing. Those those explosive games, and you see him just get the ball in the open field mm-hmm. um, at least three I, times. I, I'm just wondering which team Pitts is going to drop 1,500 yards for in a, in a couple of years. You know, whether mm, it's that's the, good point. the Patriots or something like that. Um, I think it's you know Johnu Smith coming over from Tennessee, which is where I believe Arthur Smith was too. Just I don't know. You just you get these Zeppo babies, man. Like that, they just fall in love with their boys. I don't know what it is. Um, I forget who it was, but someone in the industry um, was just talking about how they, they kind of had Kyle Pitts running streaks. Uh, and Desmond Ritter can't throw the ball fifty yards down the field. Well, that's not right. Uh, down the side, I, I know. I, you know, that's a blasphemy right here. But um, maybe doesn't have enough time. But Johnu just comes walking down the middle. Maybe Pitts is being used as a diversion. I will say this though. I think two weeks ago it might have been Ian Harditz or, or somebody. I think it was one of his like his his big sheeshes. Um, and it was Kyle Pitts running down the middle of the field, got overthrown, could have been a 70-yard touchdown, but it looked like he had a flat tire. It looked like he was kind of limping. Um, so honestly, like like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I, I started snagging some, some Johnny at you know, two, three percent of fab. Like you can't argue with with six, seven targets, five, six catches in tight end premium. Um, he's a guy a lot of people were high on in Tennessee a few years ago, uh, you know, especially as like a, a breakout candidate at like the tight end. 15 to 20 range anyway. So um, I've kind of embraced it similar to similar to Daniel Jones. um, 
all my Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts was the, the scariest, like top six tight end pick. So I really tried to add in a guy like Higby or, or something like that, you know, a, a few rounds later. Um, I think I played Kyle Pitts one week. Um, I'm playing Johnny over Pitts in a couple of leagues, honestly. Like, you just can't argue with the results. So last week I thought it was honestly surprising to see them both uh, start doing it. And that, that double tight end stuff was was kind of working a, a couple of years ago for New England. And, you know, you, the only thing I could think of that wouldn't work for Pitts this year is they're going to throw so much to London and they're going to give so much to Robinson. That was my answer to why Pitts wouldn't work. And yeah. it, London's only got a 20% target share. Yeah. Not even that. It's an interesting world in Atlanta. Very interesting. They are, they are competitive. Uh, that, that's what I hate. It keeps getting away with this, man. Just that yeah. seven and ten, eight and nine. Oh, you can't keep getting away with this. Um, I uh, I want to um, talk about uh, a team that is, you know, I heard um, uh, Paul Charchia uh, talk about this this past week, and obviously Charch is in Minnesota, follows the Vikings very closely, and he he made this interesting claim, and I don't necessarily think he's a a strong believer in it, but it does sound like he's a believer in it. He thinks that with no Justin Jefferson in the lineup going forward, the big winner here is not K.J. Osborne. It's not Jordan Addison or T.J. Hawkinson. He thinks it's Alexander Madison and the fact Mm. that the Vikings are going to be utilizing the ground game a little bit more and Madison. Where do you stand in on that, Brian? Do you expect any kind of boost for Madison? Or is, is this something that you just can't anticipate seeing uh, on the field yeah. this Sunday against Chicago. Yeah. So I, I, I love that take. I have uh, a decent amount of Madison. I think it's checked out 21% Madison. So it's probably what three of my 14 teams. Um, a lot of him in best ball um, really liked his usage when, when Dalvin went down over the last couple of years and in Madison was getting a, a ton of, a ton of you like bell cow usage. So um, the thing that worried me though was, uh, the Cam Akers trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious whether that's, you know, like a big shift to Madison or if like Cam Akers is the big beneficiary here. I think we went back-to-back weeks with five carries, uh, two targets, two catches. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what they do there. I know Stefanski has gone kind of like both ways uh, when he was at Cleveland, you know, just, just pounding it all the time, but also opening it up a little bit, uh, especially coming over to Minnesota. So, I'm curious there. Um, I'm going to keep playing him where I'm playing him. But, yeah, really interested to see, like, yeah, like how they keep using Cam. Is Cam still going to be, like, the backup? Or is he going to be, like, a, a 1B? Are they going to spread them out a little bit more? I'm curious to see where that goes, honestly. Mm. I'm curious to know. Uh, well, we have uh, – uh, boy, Jimmy Williams is getting hammered uh, here. <laughs> He's not – it's well, not that he's just, they're, they're hammering <laughs> – Brian, they're hammering the Kentucky guys for being Bears supporters, you know. <laughs> and and uh, Hudson Curtin Reese said something like the Bears were a dumpster fire until two weeks ago. Well, that's ancient history. Two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, to quote uh, uh, Sonny Weaver Jr. and Drake, yeah. we live in a different world than we did 10 seconds ago. Yeah, that's the damn truth. And, you know, so we're not going to talk quarterbacks anymore. So that leaves me to ask, outside of the quarterback room, what is your toughest lineup? decision this weekend and with all those receivers and those top scoring running backs the toughest thing may be not looking for the last guy but trying to figure out which two or three you put on the bench what's the deal in making your lineup 
Yeah, fair. With with this top team, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, rocking three running backs and then Keenan, Devontae, and Tyreek um, filling out wide receiver and flex. I mean, you know, that's that's just easy game. Um, across a lot of my teams, uh, I think there's a couple of things that are kind of tough. Um, you guys were touching on it earlier. Like, is it time to start benching Amari everywhere? Um, I actually didn't know P.J. Walker was coming in. Now, now I'm actually a lot more excited. Uh, mm-hmm. Love it. XFL guy. Um Nothing to lose, you know, the Houston, whatever they were, the Dynamos, I forget what team it was, but they were, you know, gunslingers, like, let him rip. Uh, maybe I'll take another dud from Amari because of that. But I think the biggest thing for me is not all of these, these uh, you know, waiting till the seventh round to draft a running back. Um, not all those teams have three top ten running backs. So I'm stuck in a lot of, like, RB2 purgatory, but, like, really they're, like, RB5s and RB6s. So, I love it. Um, a couple of things like, is it, is it time to let, you know, Keontae Ingram rip um, sitting on like a lot of, a lot of Singletary shares, you know, like if Damian Pierce goes down, like how much would Singletary go for in fab or something like that? How many carries and catches is he getting? Um, a lot of those guys who are just too good to drop and, you know, they're getting eight to 11 touches, like trying to figure out which one of them is worth throwing in. I think those are honestly like a lot of the tough decisions. Um, they're just, too good to drop, but also not good enough to play. Just kind of stuck in that purgatory, honestly. You know, Singletary is interesting because I have him on a handful of teams. And every week when I'm looking for somebody to cut, Singletary, he just – he seems to be doing just enough for me to I say, know. yeah, he's still he's relevant on that team. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah, and, 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 like, I would never root for an injury. But no, yeah. if it ever were to happen with Pierce, it'd be very interesting to see what Singletary could do on that team. Team's getting better. Singletary's it is getting very good, better. yeah. And, and yeah. think about this too, like, like they haven't had Tank Dell uh, at full, at, at mm-hmm. you know, on the field the last couple of weeks. He's probably going to miss again this week. It'd be interesting to see once they get him back out there too to 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 fall into that that team um, and see where that offense is at. Um, they are not the punching bag we thought they were going to be at the start of the season, or at least some yeah. people did, myself yeah. included. Um, let's get to some emails here uh, for you, Brian, from some listeners. Tom in Orlando. Hey, Brian, how do you feel about rolling out Chuba Hubbard this week against Miami? Tom, thank you so much for your email. We know Miles Sanders is out this week. Frank Reich already said Chuba Hubbard is going to get the lion's share of the touches. This is a tough matchup, and quite frankly, if he's not catching the ball, and I don't know how many he's going to get, this is not a place I would want to deploy Hubbard. How do you feel about it, Brian? Oh, that's tough. See, you guys are ahead of the news uh, before I am. Um you know, with like the the Sanders back and forth, and and yeah, when he his biggest usage was uh, the game where Sanders was a little banged up. Um, I was on the fence with that one too because the games before that he was getting three touches. You know, not even like eight or nine like some of these other guys. Um, man, Carolina worries me just because they they could have lost to Detroit forty nothing uh, last week. That that game it took them so long. Um, I, I would feel better about that offense if Dalton is in there. Um, but like, you know, a, a guy like that with, with Sanders out, like I, I might be throwing Chuba in a, in some of my lineups too now. So um, that that's not going to be enough of a, a hesitation for me. I know the giants, it, it took them a little while to get going last week, but um, no Sanders. Like I, Chuba's had some, some decent games the, the last year or two, just kind of filling in. So volume, volume. That's why we're here. That's why we wait till the seventh round to get some of these guys. Yeah, You know, it's funny in a, in a backup role uh, so far this season with Carolina, 
he has already seen let me let me count this up do some math real quick 35 carries and he's gotten 12 receptions on the season again that's behind miles sanders so maybe there is something there again in order for me to start him i have to look at it from the standpoint of what's he going to be doing when the dolphins inevitably get up 14 nothing 17 nothing um and but you're missing Aaron Jones. You're missing Jalen Warren, Najee Harris. Perhaps yeah. you don't want to wait on Barkley. There's some other running back injuries going around too. Uh, you could make the case for Chuba Hubbard this week. One more email here before Farrell asks the final question, Brian. Eddie in Houston, am I better off just ignoring both Cardinals running backs this weekend? Thanks, Brian. That's Eddie in Houston. You kind of talked about Keontae Ingram just uh, a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how you feel about this. Like, I have I, – actually, I shouldn't say that. I have no DeMarcado anywhere. Um, I do have some Ingram shares, but quite frankly, me personally, Brian, I don't want this to influence your answer. I'm kind of looking for reasons not to start Ingram this week. How do you feel about uh, about the Cardinals running backs uh, this week going up against the Los Angeles Rams on the road in Southern California? Yeah, and, and that's tricky because we've heard that they've always wanted Ingram to be the number two guy. And he was obviously banged up a little bit earlier in the year. And Schefter saying, hey, for what it's worth, Ingram's listed as a starter. You know, who cares? You know, once the game starts, anything can happen there. Um, ideally, ideally, you're waiting. Um, these are, again, like these are instances where you, you look at the 20th and the 19th player on your team and you try to cut a guy with no upside. Um, I got I got a Di Mercado two weeks ago for 1.5% fab. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's going for 800. So those are ideally the situations where you want these guys, um, you want to take 100 shots at players like this is yep. the first time, you know, like just cycle through them. I've probably had Chris Evans on and off my team 10 times, Travion Williams on and off my team. Um, so as far as like actually like starting some of these guys, I, I'm totally in the wait and see approach. Um, and again, you know, trying to get them is such a cheap cost where if you spend $700 on the guy, you better damn well play him this week is what I think. So <laughs> you don't pay 700 bucks. You don't pay 300 bucks for him. Uh, but if you do like, you need to double down and, and, and trust that yeah. what you paid for is what you bought. Exactly. Um, Farrell, I, I lied. I'm going to ask one more question. This is from our buddy, Chris Lude in the chat room, right? The now. Lude. The, the Lude indeed. Um, running back is tough for him this week. He's got to pick between Zach Charbonnet, who's taken on the Cincinnati Bengals and then uh, Gus Edwards, who is in London against the Tennessee Titans. You know, Brian, I I thought it was tough to run on the Titans, and then they gave up almost 200 yards to the Indianapolis Colts last week. So normally I'd say, oh, you're not going to play Edwards, but I don't know. The Titans' rush defense looks human now. Maybe the the play is Edwards. What what do you think? Well, with with the Colts, I mean, you're talking about like a a generational talent in Zach Moss that that did that to him, you know, so – you know, we, we can't give, we can't give, you know, too much, too much, uh, too much stake there. Um, the London games, man, aren't they so stressful? You're like trying no. to fill out your team and you got a guy with 14 yards at, at 7.30 a.m. already. Like uh, the London games, I got, uh, Evan Silva says the best, like know your biases. I, I hate the London games. If I can avoid London in Thursdays, like I would try not to. Um, Charbonnet is interesting because, with rookies, the big thing we always talk about is the bye week. Coming out of that bye week, they get, you know, another 15, 20% usage. What do they do with that? Um, I, I, I think that's kind of interesting there. Justice Hill uh, getting a little bit more usage. That, that's one of my tough matchups there. I, I admittedly paid, you know, 30% for him in the first few weeks just to see him get injured and, and not even, you know, 
be in my discussions there. So um, Justice Hill, I think kind of being on, on the up and up takes a little bit from Edwards there. Um, and just, you know, the emotional bias of these London games, like Charbonnet looked good uh, in the use that she got. There's just a lot of mouths to feed in, in, uh, in Seattle. So that, that's a tough one. Mm. They're all tough. And one of them, you know, I want you to look back on this weekend and, and say to Ashley, we're going back to Colorado because that's where my legendary decision was yeah, made yeah. in the lineup that made all the difference. I love and then it. I want you to tell me what you were you're going to avoid because you don't want any bad taste left in your mouth about week six. Disappointed yeah. ball player that will that will wreck your team and your legend maker of your Colorado and Ashley weekend. Yeah, I mean, just just don't don't fall for the Higgins stuff. Those those rib injuries are, are so rough, and I you know you put extra padding in there, but he's going to get a thirty yard catch, fall weird, and you just don't know what's going to happen there. The the whole pain tolerance, like these are ribs, like you just you can't like tape them up, like they're one of the hardest things to to protect and stuff like that. So try to stay away from the from the Higgins. Um, honestly, I was going to say Amari until you brought up uh, PJ Walker, but uh, now I'm feeling good about about him kind of. Um, the last one to, to maybe be temper your expectations with, I think, DeAndre Hopkins this week. Everybody say, like, look, if there's going to be a Hopkins week, he's got to do it against Indy, uh, and he absolutely did. Um, I love the Jaguars receivers. I'll say play them all, uh, especially the guys in the middle, um, especially uh, Kirk, especially Ridley, just slashing across the middle of the field. Ingram, play two of them in, in DFS, double stack them with, uh, with Trevor Lawrence there. Um, those are some of the guys that really like it. And you're talking about a little bit. Um, I like the Giants with Tyrod more than more than Danny Dimes. Uh, oh, oh now be careful. The first two plays he came in would have been Daniel Dimes sacks. Basically, though, he still got bum rushed. He was still running out of the pocket and threw it away uh, immediately, though. But um, Tyrod's a guy that I'm, that I'm not going to sleep on, a.k.a. the Ty God. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for so uh, the Buffalo is such a tough matchup, but yeah. um, you know, guys like Slayton, Wandale, um, even a resurgence um, from Darren Waller. Um, don't don't rule out some of the Giants getting a little resurgence from Tyrod actually able to uh, extend some of these plays, you know, from one second to two seconds or something like that. Just keep those needles away from Tyrod Taylor, and he's going to be Ooh, just fine. No, oh, right. too soon. Yeah. I was speaking yeah. of the Herbert resurgence. Oh, yes. Yeah. Where it all uh, started, yeah. Brian Carrero, uh, fourth place in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Uh, you are no stranger to winning leagues in the FFPC. This could be a big year for you. Um, until then, let's enjoy Utah uh, and enjoy the, the the glorious craft beer you've been partaking in and enjoy those Sunday morning mimosas. And most of all, take your lineup in Saturday night or Sunday morning. Thank you so let's much go. for, for joining us guys. today. Such a fun, uh, fun time. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck winning that million. Be good. We'll talk to you again. Uh, talk with you again real soon, Brian. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Appreciate See you, Brian. I thought he was in Colorado. Everything's legal in Colorado. What are you doing in Utah? Yeah, no, no you. No, well, it's 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 you know you think about I, aren't there dry counties in Utah? I feel like you can't, you can't drink everywhere in Utah. Colorado, you can probably yeah, commit second yeah. degree murder, and it's just a misdemeanor, something like that. I, I don't know. I, I'm just guessing, but yeah, pretty much uh, Colorado, anything goes. Let's um let's go with this. Um. Zach Moss or Jonathan Taylor? We just talked about, about this. This, this yeah. is an email, Farrell, that we got in from Ron in Crafton, Pennsylvania. Can only start one of these guys in his lineup this week. 
Does he go with Zach Moss? Does he go with Jonathan Taylor? He's going with Jonathan Taylor. Now, why do you say that? Like Moss crushed it last week, and Shane Steichen said uh, this week that he wants to get Taylor more involved. He's going to see more than ten snaps uh, this game. To me, that's that's not a whole lot. To me, this is ten snaps or ten touches. I thought it was snaps. Let me look it up because now yeah, that's not promising. That's not promising. If if the I may have spoken prematurely and I may have been misinformed. However, Zach Moss did look great running the ball, but you know, the, the team, uh, you got to follow the money sometimes bulky. You do. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm responding to our buddy ML. We're, we're having a great Keaton Mitchell discussion. Right ML now. is on fire, man. Yes, I mean, yes. it, it, uh, it, All right. Okay. So, so basically we're, I'm going to get to the, the um, Jonathan Taylor thing in a second. ML and I are talking about Keaton Mitchell this Sunday. Now you can't pick him up. Here's what no, I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling ML this as much as everybody else. You cannot pick him up and start him this week. However, you can pick him up and, and, and in case he does have a game against Tennessee and in case he does go off or anything like that, you have him on board for next week. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Moving oh, on. All right. Um, Shane Steichen, I should have looked this up. Okay, he's going to have – I don't. I must have made the 10 thing up in my head. He just says he's going to have more reps this week in, in, mm-hmm. in Jaguars. He was in there 15% of the offensive snaps in, in week one. Okay, I think I'm with you on Taylor. I think I'm with you on Taylor. No Matt, one else what, is. All the brains, the Lude and Trevor Holt, they won Moss for one more week. And maybe I, – I don't know. Well, I didn't ever even think of the, the Colts' backfield. Never. Why? Well, I didn't want to get involved with all this. You know, oh, I, was, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. avoided it, and it hasn't been a thing. I'm surprised that he played so few snaps last week. Matt Ward from Brodo Fantasy Football was my guest co-host on the Better Sports Network High Stakes Fantasy Football show last night. We were talking about this, too, and he's like, Balky, you think the Colts are going to pay Jonathan Taylor $48.5 million mm-hmm. and then give Zach Moss 20 touches? And I was like, <laughs> well, when you put it like that, Matt, it does kind of make sense. So, all right, I've, I've officially switched. I'm no longer on the fence, Jonathan Taylor. What's Terp think about it? That's the real question. Mm-hmm. That's the real question. Uh, Joe in Alpha, Illinois. Hey, fellas, what's up? Who do you like better this week? Gabe Davis or Joshua Palmer on Monday night? Thanks. That is Joe in Alpha, Illinois. I uh, appreciate that email. And here's the situation that we're looking at. So, so Joshua Palmer is indeed playing on Monday night football against the uh, Tra- uh, Tra- Trayvon Diggs less Dallas Cowboys. Um, and then Gabe Davis is playing primetime Sunday night at home against the New York Giants in a plum matchup. Farrell, which one do you have here? Which one would you rather play? I want to play Davis. Um, this is my number. This is my solid number two guy. And I thought last week, you you know, we're looking at Allen with these 300-yard games. Now, maybe he plays less. Maybe he comes off the bench. Uh, maybe the backup quarterback comes off the bench. But if Allen's 300, maybe 350 yards, I want my number two receiver from that team in my lineup. So that's that's what I want. Uh, the lewd, the lewd is saying Gabe Davis here. When lewd um, says it, it makes me very happy. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to disagree with you guys. I'm going to go with you know the thing is that guy has been outperforming, um, what I think he should be doing as far as efficiency goes. Um, but I'm going to ride the wave, uh, and I know that's that's the hot hand theory and that's a fallacy, but I'm going to do it. 
It doesn't uh, mean that Palmer play. isn't fantastic play as well. You know, well, Palmer. I don't know if he's a fantastic play. I know uh, I like him. I like okay. him a lot. All right, six um, for seventy. Six or seventy would be fine. That yeah. that would work. That would work. Um, let's go to the next one here. Uh, this is from Bill in Boonville, New York. How's it going? No Musgrave or Fryermuth for me this week. Do I start Tyler Conklin or Cade Otten? Uh, that is interesting. Thank you, Bill, for the email. You have uh, Tyler Conklin at home against the Eagles. You have Cade Otten at home against the Lions. Farrell, I, I think I kind of like, um, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I like Conklin here mm-hmm. with uh, Zach Wilson throwing to him over mm-hmm. Kate Otten. I, that Lions defense, I, I've, I'm co- I've come around on him. That Lions defense is greater than the sum of their parts. They play together. They play as a unit. Uh, every, there's there's cohesiveness there. They can get it done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Conklin here against an Eagles secondary, quite frankly, that has been less than stellar so far this season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play Kate Otten for the one reason that I think he is – if, if Baker Mayfield can keep the play going and find him, I agree everything you say about Detroit. I think they'll move Baker Mayfield off his spot. He'll have a hard time reaching his number one and number two receiver in Evans and Godwin. Consequently, he's going to dump things in the middle. This big target. Um, we haven't seen it from Otten. Conklin has shown signs of life. These aren't big producers, but I think Otten has the upside. Getting back to uh, Gabe, the Gabe Davis discussion real quick. Jimmy Williams in the chat right now. He wants to know, uh, would you play Gabe Davis against the Giants or Zay Flowers this week, Sunday morning in London uh, against the Tennessee Titans? For me, it's Flowers, Farrell. Oh, Jimmy Williams, you never, never put Zay Flowers on your bench. Never. Don't even think about it. Uh, Joe King right now. This is an interesting FFPC question. Chuba Hubbard or Jake Ferguson? Now, normally you'd always say, oh, you got to play the running back here. I'm going to say Ferguson. Yeah, I am too. Not, not just because he's a former Badger, but he has integrated himself into that mm-hmm. Cowboys passing offense. Cowboys could be passing it all over the field to match Kellen. This is the Kellen Moore Bowl. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Kellen Moore revenge game on Monday Night Football. You got to play Ferguson over Hubbard. I'm much more confident in his role and his output. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to get from Hubbard. I know what I'm getting from Ferguson. Totally agree. Moving on to, do we have one more email here? One more email. Steve in Bloomfield Township, Michigan, home of the Fighting Squirrels. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Talk about two offenses going in different directions. Do I play Matthew Stafford over Kirk Cousins in week six? Thank you, good sir. Steve in Bloomfield Township, Michigan. This is fascinating. No Justin Jefferson for Kirk Cousins, who's kind of been an auto start for me in most of my leagues thus far. And now Stafford. Gets Cooper Cup back, still made Puka Nakua not only relevant, but still good. Man, I, I think I'm leaning towards Stafford here at home, sleeping in his own bed the night before, yeah. taking on the Cardinals <laughs> versus Kirk Cousins, who has to go to the Windy City to take on Jimmy Williams Bears. I am uh, giddy about what we might see going forward with Stafford and this Rams offense. Trevor Holt threw up uh, Puka and Cup. Can you play them both moving forward? Certainly can. I like uh, everybody's chances out there because of the secondary, for lack of a better word, receivers, which Puka has proven that he is. Higby has proven that he is. Atwell adds a different dimension to the point that they could trade uh, uh, number 12 and uh, Jefferson this week to Atlanta. Um, I really... um, I really do like that 
going forward. And I see Stafford occasionally showing up as a free agent available. And I, you know, uh, our man Brian can go get him another quarterback. He can get Ritter and Stafford. So it, 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 yes, Stafford all day long in this comparison. And Stafford will win out against a lot of quarterbacks for me this weekend and going forward. Yeah, I, I like Stafford quite a bit, uh, and and I'm glad I have him on the the few rosters I have. And now I got to go after the show tonight. I got to go through my Kentucky teams, make sure he's not available as a free agent in any of my leagues, there so I can scoop him up for Kentucky greatness. Uh, Jimmy about- Williams points out that Arizona lost both starting safeties, which could be a good thing. Very you good know, thing. Or, you know, Unless you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, then it's not. A well, good no, thing. it it could you could give the other guys a chance. Sometimes you know just. It's not really working, so let's see what else they've got. All right, how about this one? And Next and we'll wrap- man up kind of guy. Bro. Exactly, exactly. What about this one? We'll wrap with this, and, and these are two players that we've already talked about in the show, but I think that this is compelling for the lineup decision here. I have a tough decision. This is uh, from uh, F1. I'm going to butcher this. This always looks cool on, on paper until you have to read it. F1 Oliver. Oliver. F- follows F1, okay? Hey, guys, I have a tough decision. Should I run Sam Laporta or Cole Komet? Both have been booming recently, but Amon Ross St. Brown is back and Laporta is coming off a calf injury. Not worried about Amon Ross St. Brown because even when he was in the lineup, uh, Laporta was still doing numbers, okay? Um, the issue here for me is the timing. Cole Komet uh, plays in, uh, against the Vikings in, in the, uh, the 1 o'clock game on Sunday, the 1 o'clock time slot. Sam Laporta does not play until 425 against Tampa. You may not know if he's active or not. Um, the way I think you play this is if you hear positive news about Laporta or or if you don't hear any negative news, maybe that's a better way of saying it. You don't hear anything negative about Laporta prior to 1 o'clock. I think that he's worth waiting around. Um, if you hear anything or if your gut's telling you to go a different way, I think Cole Komet is a fine start this week. You roll him out against Minnesota and see what he does. Um, Laporta, higher ceiling. I think it's worth gambling on, um, but but you got to pay attention to what's going on uh, Sunday morning prior to that 1 o'clock game kicking off. Farrell, how do you fall in on Komet versus Laporta this week? All the commentary I've had for Komet, this is a great way to end the show tonight. I am saying put Komet up. We ran over the first five or six tight ends. He's in there. There's not that big a difference. Laporta's the more exciting player, more likely to score. But Komet, um, after the first three games of this year, which were solid, he's really shown great growth, and and so is the quarterback. And it's, it's no longer a dumpster fire. We live in a new world, and Jimmy Williams is still listening, so we're going to go with the Bears. Fwan Alower, hopefully that helps you out. Uh, I say Laporta, Carol says Komet, although – I could be. Pers- I think Farrell's more staunch in his commit than I am in my Laporta, so I can definitely see the case for commit. And it's your team, you know. Go with your gut. Go with yeah. your head. If you're yeah. feeling commit, then then I would support the commit decision uh, for sure. Uh, Farrell Elliott, Kentucky greatness. Speaking of yeah. boss at the KFFSC.com, make sure you're checking that out for everything you need to know about the big game party coming up in February. Uh, for the AFC champion taking on the NFC champion. Would love to see you out at Caesar Southern Indiana for that. Uh, and, uh, Farrell, uh, we will do this again next week. Good luck in all your leagues, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight again. Buddy, I'll see you soon. You got it. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on the X 
at Jay Farrell Elliott, the KFFSC at KFFSC official, and of course, KFFSC.com. Thanks to Farrell Elliott, our guest tonight, Brian Carrero, the FFPC, Rob Rice, and of course, each and every one of you. We will return at 10 p.m. Eastern time with week five, FFPC main event leader, Matt Modica. That's right. Next Friday, we will have the main event leader on this show. You can also check out, in case you missed it, uh, the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown uh, from Tuesday. We had 65-time FFPC League champion Chris Birchbeon for nearly a full hour. We got through a lot. And if you are if you have any questions about your Week 6 lineups, that is where I would go for that. It's on uh, all the FFPC socials, FFPC YouTube. Uh, you'll see it right on there. It's right on the front page there, youtube.com slash Fantasy. We will be live again this coming Tuesday at 10 o'clock Eastern with six-time FFPC League winner Paul Freel and yours truly. Uh, in case you missed the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network last night, you can check that out on the YouTube socials, or excuse me, the FFPC uh, uh, socials, including YouTube. Brodo Fantasy Football's Matt Ward joined me for the full two hours this coming Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll go live again with Roto Ballers Josh Hayes joining me for 120 minutes of Fantasy Football Night in America ahead of the Thursday night football game. Go to myffpc.com to play in the FFPC Weekly Challenge. No draft, no salary cap. Choose the 10 or 12 players that you want prior to Sunday's kickoff. This, again, uh, is uh, you can play with kickers and defenses or without. That's what determines the roster size. And then just watch them play throughout the weekend. Only one player per NFL team. No stacking. Uh, We will slap you on your hand if you try to pair up Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase this week. It won't work. Uh, make sure you're picking one player per team. $35 is where the entry fee starts. You can play up to $200 and win up to $2,500. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, share it with people you don't know. Uh, maybe that's not the best idea, but we will support that type of behavior on the show. And then get notified anytime we go live, which once again will be Tuesday evening with myself and Paul Friel for the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. We really appreciate it. Your weekend officially starts now. <laughs>once again, I know I mentioned it a couple of times during the show. Get those lineups in either on Saturday night or early, early, early on Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time kickoff in London between the Ravens and the Titans. Good luck, everybody, this week. Uh, all play week this week as well. So remember, you're playing everybody in the Super Bracket, the Fantasy Pros Championship, and the FFPC main event. You're playing everybody in your league. Uh, this is a, a good time to, to get a, a couple of wins if you can uh, have a good high score this week. Hopefully the ball bounces your way. We'll talk with you again on this show on Friday. Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown goes live Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Thanks, everybody.